It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello there and welcome to the Irish Examiner Sports Podcast on the programme this week. Let's go round again. Dimon O'Flynn previews the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship final replay on Saturday at Croke Park. And... Rebels on a roll. Mary White on Cork's bid for more silverware in Sunday's showpiece of the ladies' football season. <whistles> Cork and Clare couldn't be separated on the 8th of September on All-Ireland Final Sunday, so we're back again to Croke Park on Saturday night and Dermot O'Flynn will be uh, there. Uh, Dermot, last three weeks been a, been a bit bizarre, I suppose, in terms of all the build-up to Mayo and Dublin and the football, and it's only in the last kind of day or two that the, the hurling... Is is back on centre stage? Well, it is, and I, I think that this, you know, it's it, it's not it's, it goes beyond being a shame. I think it's a disgrace the way it's been treated. Like, um, I mean, I, I, I've long made the point, you know, that on the field, the biggest obstacle to to holding and to and to getting holders is Gaelic football. I said, you know, like people talk about the opposition from soccer and from rugby and everything else. They've always said like Gaelic football was the major um, opposition to hurling, but I think that you know we've seen it clearly illustrated in the last few weeks because, you know, I mean you had an All Ireland final replay coming up, and yet for two weeks there was absolutely no talk at all about it. It was just the football, the football, the football, and the the whole the whole emphasis of the GA like has been on the football. So I think you know it's it's been very very clearly illustrated. An awful pity. I mean, you know, it's. I know it's it's an All Ireland final replay, but it's still an All Ireland final. You know, it deserved like from the moment that it was happening, it deserved to have been promoted, and it hasn't been. Now, in terms of uh, the the camps, sense who who do you think has uh, the greater well, sense the momentum? The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's it's the big conundrum, isn't it? You know, I mean, everybody, like, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if, if um, I can't remember seeing, certainly not a finish to an All-Ireland final like that one anyway, you know, where, like, you had one team looking like certain winners with about 10, 15 minutes to go, looking clearly the superior team, then going into um, the final minutes, like, um, the, you had another team that's fine, you know, kind of showed fantastic character, admittedly, to come back and, you know, to actually draw it. And then, you know, in a minute, two minutes signal of injury, of injury time, more than one minute into injury time, you know, one team takes the, the, the other team takes the lead. Looks like they're going to win. Um, then it becomes a draw in the last, you know, in, in added time to added time, if you like. So, you know, like here will be absolutely relieved, you know, that they've managed to salvage a draw, but completely and utterly disappointed, I think, with the fact that they hadn't won it in the way they played before that. And then you'd have Cox. I think who might have been kind of disappointed in the way that they played for most of the game, most of their own players. You know, then um, like thrilled that they had taken the lead, and then extremely gutted and disappointed mm-hmm. again that they had managed that they gave up the lead. You know, with only seconds to go, so it's you know it's very difficult to say who has the momentum. I think it's definitely one of those games like where 
you could say it's kind of it was a draw in every sense of the word. I think that you know neither team is going into this thing. I think with any real advantage from the first game. The line that I've heard time and time again since the draw again, Dermot, and again I don't know is it too simplistic to say, but Cork can't play as badly again. Clare can't play as well again. Well, you know, it's the, the, the temptation and the tendency always, Colm, in, you know, in analysis like that afterwards, is, you know, you first you have the simplified analysis and, and that is, you know, again, I felt it myself and I think, you know, everybody said it was the common refrain afterwards, Cork can't be as bad again. But like, it is, you know, by, by definition, it is a simplified um, explanation of it. But the thing is, you look deeper than you look behind that. And you say, well, you know, and, and you hear this from a lot of the care players, actually, you know, like, did Cork play that badly? And, like, you know, they, they, got, they got three goals. You know, they, they came back, you know, when the game, like, looked to be going away from them. They seemed to be a beaten side. Like, yes, I think that, they, you know, the biggest lead, that uh, the biggest um, deficit they ever had was five points. They never, you know, they never left Clare get away from them. So, I mean, in that sense, you know, really how badly did they play? And then you look at it again, you know, and like uh, it wasn't, I think, certainly, I mean, you know, I, I thought the defence played reasonably well, even though they can't see 25 points. But like points by the nature come from maybe further out the field. I thought like the inside line especially played very well and Danny Nash played very well, obviously, in goal. I thought um, one of the midfielders, Daniel Carney, I thought played very well. And the forwards, I mean, you know, for all that they didn't score and, you know, most of them didn't score, they didn't or they didn't score the way we know they can score. They didn't play the way we know they can play. I think, you know, the one thing about them was I don't think they ever gave up, which is, I think, a very, it's a huge positive. I mean, you're, you're going to go out in games and you're going to find yourself in a situation where the man you're on is getting the better of you. The big thing in a situation like that is not to give in. You know, not to make it, not to make, not to make the situation worse for your team by by not trying. And I don't think that happened. I think they actually kept on trying. So they kind of there was a lot of damage limitation going on throughout the field for Cork, and I think they did that very well. So you know, I think that yes, you know, it's a simplified kind of an explanation, mm. but there's kind of a logic behind it as well because you know they, they do have a lot more room for improvement the next day. Now whether you know they'll be allowed to improve, you know whether they, like the, the the fellows that they were on just have that little bit over them again and, and we'll have it again the next day we don't know but if they go off with the same attitude and if they you know if they if none of them none of them ever gives in if they keep the same mock rate then you know they do cop do have a very good chance again in terms of the tactics and the strategies and and so much made of it before the the drawn game Dermot, do you think we're going to see something completely different from from Davy, because it it seems to be Davy is the man that's coming up with all these these new tactics. And will he play a sweeper? Won't he play a sweeper? Will he mm. play an extra man in attack? Will it go fifteen and fifteen? Well, the thing, like, um, I think that the one thing that Cock would have learned, you know, if they didn't know it already, but I think they'll certainly know it now from Davy is you expect the unexpected, and so, like, even if the unexpected is the expected, if you know what I mean, you know. Like that, um, like a lot of people now. Uh, one or two of us actually left of us saying this, you know, that we wouldn't be completely surprised if they went just fifteen and fifteen, because like you know he was likely to try and and create confusion among cock ranks, which I think he did. Now the next day, you see people are saying, well, maybe the next day now he'll go back to the sweeper, you know, that that he that he used so effectively in the semi final and quarter final wins, but maybe he'll just 
side again, you know, well, you know, maybe that's what they're expecting the next day is that because we didn't do it last, we're going to do it next year, so we'll just go with the same thing again. You just don't know. And I think this is something the cop just has to be prepared for anything, literally for anything, you know. And I honestly, to be honest with you, I would not be one bit surprised if he just goes 15 and 15 again the next day because the, the six carebacks did so well individually the last year. And I know they conceded the three goals, you know, and, and maybe they'll, they'll just have to look at that, you know, how they allowed this to be opened up so easily. I think for Conor Lee Ham's goal, I don't think they expected that he had quite the pace that he had. They didn't think that he was going to manage to, you know, actually make his way do the, the big sweep and go around Patrick O'Connor and come inside and like look at it from above a lot of them backed off to pick up their players rather than going forward to pick up the space so I think that they might have learned from that the next day but I don't think you know I, I would be a bit surprised if they just go you know um, six mm-hmm. backs and six fouls again the next day In terms and you mentioned uh, Anthony Nash there a few minutes ago uh, so much debate about his stance and his technique in terms of freeze and penalties mm. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of attention on him, and you can take that whatever way you want it, as we saw mm. the last day. And obviously, there's going to be huge attention on uh, on James McGrath, who's uh, mm. refereeing the game on Saturday. Well, um, I don't know if, if you know you won't have helped it maybe from the cop camp, but I, I'm pretty certain that they weren't too happy with that appointment. You know, and I, it's, it's not just over the, the sending off of Patrick Hogan in the Munster final. I don't think they're too happy with James McGrath or free anyway. But be that as it may, I think that there is going to be a lot of attention on um, Anthony Nash next day. I don't think if he's called forward, you know, if there is a 20-metre free, if he comes forward to take it, I don't think he's going to get jostled in, you know, in at all. The same way that he was the last day, which I thought was disgraceful. And, you know, the fact that it was ignored by, you know, every official on the pitch, that no one brought anybody's attention to it, that nobody got a yellow card for it. At any stage, I thought that was, you know, that, that was poor refereeing and that was poor officiating by everybody. But I think um, the, the big thing, the big debate the next day is going to be, you know, if he manages to get a free like that, you know, is he going to be allowed to toss it forward as far as he's tossing it again? And will there be the same kind of control of the guys in the line? Because, you know, I, I did a piece with Patrick actually during the week and, you know, looking through the rule book. I mean, there, there's, there are clear conflicts in the rule book about what can and what can't happen. You know, according to one rule, like when the ball is in play now, when it's in play, I mean, you know, when the free is taken. I mean, if the, as soon as the guy touches the ball to rise it, as far as I'm concerned, as far as Patrick Kelly was interpreting it, that means the ball is in play, so he's entitled to come off his line. But then you read another rule that says, you know, that they can't move until the ball is struck. Now, again, you could get some people, people saying, well, you know, when he touches, jabs the ball to, to rise it, that's striking the ball. You know, so it's it's, a, it's going to be an interesting conundrum the next day. But I think that um, I think more than likely what will happen is that you know the three defenders will be told you can't come forward, you just can't move until the ball is, is actually hit. And I think that um, you know they will be allowing the rule, they, they be, will be allowing the the, the takeoff, which will be anti national most likely to throw the ball forward five or six meters. But an interesting one here, the column is what if. Clear gets a 20 meter free or a penalty. Mm. You know, and, and, and like I know pa, pa Kelly takes a lot of those for them. Like if he comes forward, like, you know, what, what will his technique be? 
So, I mean, that could happen as well, I'm saying. I mean, you know, and you could have a situation where, where, where it doesn't arise at all, you know. But, like, there are there, there are going to be some of those, so many little sideshows like that to look forward to. But I think, you know, the, the main thing is just the main event itself. I mean, it was it was a mouth-watering clash the first day, and I think it's, it's as much, if not more, a mouth-watering clash again this week. And what do you make of the timing of it, the fact that it is on a Saturday evening, the fact that we could actually have floodlights before the final whistle? Well, the floodlight element doesn't bother me in the least. I think, you know, it's it's 2013, you know, I mean, playing games on the floodlights has become a fact of life now. You know, like, to be honest with you, I, I think that, um, like, I don't think hurling is, is that suited to, to floodlights because the size of the ball, you know, when it goes up in the air, it goes up a lot higher than a lot of, than the football. I mean, funny thing, especially in Croke Park, the football, I don't think it reaches any kind of an arc that it's ever going to get lost in the lights, but a uh, slitter will. And you can get a lot of players, and I've seen players like the, that lose the ball in the lights. But you know, be that as it may, that's you know, it's 2013. It's effective, like it's, it's going to happen. The, I think the real pity is that you know if we had we've had to wait three weeks for the replay. I don't think you know there's any reason for that. I think you know it should have happened a lot sooner. It should have happened either last Saturday or the Saturday before. Sunday represents the biggest day of the ladies' football calendar with three championship finals at Croke Park, but the gem in the crown is the senior clash of Cork and Monaghan. Mary White joins us now in the Red FM studios. Uh, Mary, looking forward to uh, Sunday. As a, a, a Cork fanatic, did you think that Cork would be in the All-Ireland final? Um, I suppose if you look at their performance over the championship, it's probably their worst season so far like they are going for their eighth title in nine years and it's the first year that they've actually gone through the back door so I suppose when you look at that it is foreign territory and people did have their doubts and I suppose their doubts were justified given that they lost two Monster Championship games they lost the Monster Final against Kerry when they were bidding for their 10th title in a row people probably didn't see that coming even though to be fair Kerry were were brilliant and they were deserving of the win but I suppose then again uh, Cork came through to the qualifiers against Armagh again that was a narrow win not their best performance either the first half against Dublin in the All-Ireland quarterfinal they were dodgy again and of course people were doubting them again but with 20 minutes to go against Dublin they just clicked and from there on in they came back um, a, a spectacular comeback and from there they went on and their confidence just shot right up again and in the semi-final against Kerry then they were back to their best which makes Sunday going to it's going to be a cracker Okay in, in relation to that 20 minutes against Dublin because I saw some of it live on, on the Saturday on, on TG Carr is it fair to say that their entire season possibly turned on that final quarter? You could say that, but speaking to the girls and actually in particular mentioning Bridge Corkery, she she picked out one particular moment in the in the Armagh match in the in the qualifier, and it was when the game was on the line with about ten minutes to go, and Geraldine O'Flynn came up from wing back as she usually does and fired over a point, and they won by a point, and I suppose they dug deep in that game. They could have lost that game, and that would have been actually embarrassing for them. I would think to go out that way. Um, the Dublin game, I don't know where it came from. You know, I, it was a repeat of the quarterfinal two years ago where, again, they kicked seven unanswered points to beat Dublin again. And again this year against Dublin again, who you have to feel sorry for. I'm not sure where it came from. I suppose the turning point in the Dublin game was when uh, Deirdre Riley came from cornerback up to midfield to partner Juliet Murphy, obviously who came out of retirement. And that was her first start this year. 
Um, you could see in the first half she completely orchestrated things. Her return has been a massive turning point as well. But I think Deirdre Riley moving to midfield mm. just added a little bit more fire and aggression up front um, to that to the team at that that point. And I think that's probably where it came from. So naturally taking on the point there regarding Juliet, the fact that she was retired for a few months, was that one of the big reasons for the, the cork dip? Or, or are we reading too much into just one person? Well, personally, I think people probably are reading it too much into one person obviously Juliet is a phenomenal player and her her comeback has has had a massive impact for morale for the girls themselves you know but I think her comeback or her let's say that the games that she was missing in I think people were probably it was masking the fact that there was certain problems up front now there was maybe problems in midfield obviously the calibre of player that Juliet is, you know, she orchestrates everything. Um, she dictates play. She controls the ball. There's, you know, there's no panic. It's all calm when it comes to Juliet. Um, but it was probably masking a little problem up front, which is probably why Eamon Ryan made two changes to the forward line for the Kerry game in the semi-final. Orla Finn and Orla Farmer um, were dropped. Um, great players in their own right. But there was a problem there in that... Uh, I, there's no fluidity, I suppose, to it. And in came Rona Buckley, who works very well with Valerie Mulcahy. And then, of course, so there was a change in the forward line that was needed. Mm-hmm. But then factor in Juliet and the distribution into the full forward line and the fact that Deirdre Riley can pinpoint a pass just as good from midfield into the full forward line. And I think those two factors probably, you know, change things as well. OK, no, uh, of course, Valerie, a superb performance in the win uh, against Kerry. Uh, a spectacular punch goal as well too uh, from the edge of the square but we are mentioning Juliet we are mentioning Valerie uh, is there a feeling like that Cork are still overly reliant on a lot of the players that have been central to the success over the last couple of years or do you feel that there is a strong new wave of talent coming on There, yeah I suppose I suppose we're used to such big names like Juliet and Valerie and you know, you've the like Sterling of Flynn, Breach Corkery, Angela Walsh, Breach, Breach Stack. I mean, the list goes on, you know. I suppose when you look at it, from the 2005 final against Galway, there's nine players, ten players who were involved in that team in 2005, involved on Sunday. It's incredible. Which is massive. And Deirdre Riley came on as a sub, um, so she's the tenth player, and probably eight of them are going to be starting. Um, now, in terms of over-reliance on certain players, I think probably up front there might be a little over-reliance on Val. You know, she's just a class act and she is the player that the opposition do target. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know, she 2-3 against Kerry in the semi-final in the 2008 All-Ireland final against Monaghan. She 3-2, mm. you know, and she won player of the match. Um, but in saying that, you have the likes of Dearna Sullivan, who's 19. She started in her first All-Ireland final last year. Great, great young player. Orla Finn, Orla Farmer, Emma Farmer. The the youth is there, definitely. Um, they just probably are lacking that little bit of, not class, but I suppose Val is a, is a class player in her own right. But that'll come with time. They are great players. And the bottom line is they all work, work hard. And that's, that's half the battle. One constant, of course, that we should mention is Eamon Ryan. What does he bring to the table? Oh, you'd have to ask the girls that, you know, I think he he deserves so much credit for keeping that bunch of girls 
together for so long, for nearly 10 years. And not just together, but motivated. Motivated, yeah. I mean, it's incredible. As I said, they're going for their eighth title in nine years. Not not to mention the nine successive Munster titles that they've won or the seven National League titles that they've won. Um, the thing about Eamon is they have so much respect for him. And speaking to the girls as well, they'll tell you themselves if you ask them, you know, is it hard to come back? And they'll say, well, if Eamon's coming back, we're we're coming back and you can tell in November, December mm-hmm. when everyone's, you know, are they coming back? Are they not coming back? It all boils down to whether Eamon is coming back. Um, so what he brings to the table is something else. And he's such a nice guy. He's he's time for every player, every person, you know, on and off the pitch and everyone who's involved in his management team have to get a mention as well because they're fantastic and they work brilliantly together. So, I mean, I think everything changed since he came on board and, in terms of the hurling replay, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Um, well, I suppose some people mentioned or, you know, query the fact why wasn't it a double header or anything like that. But personally, I think it's, it's obviously it's its own sport. It deserves its own day, you know. And, you know, ladies football, all Ireland day is, is all about screaming kids. Half, half the crowd are screaming kids, you know, and it's their, their day too. But I think that a lot of the hurling fans will stay up for the ladies' final. You know, it's four o'clock on Saturday, throw in. I'm sure a lot of fellas could be staying in Dublin having hangovers the next day and, you know, we'll, we'll gladly go along and see the ladies again. Um, and win or lose on Sunday for the ladies, they are going to have a homecoming on Monday night at seven o'clock. And I think they will get a certain overspill, let's say, from the hurling replay. And hopefully they'll get an overspill on Monday night as well, regardless of winning or losing. Because... Um, you know, they've just been fantastic servants to Cork GAA and sometimes it gets lost and we can't forget what they have brought mm. to, to Cork GAA. In terms of Monaghan, we better we better mention their final opponents on, on Sunday. Uh, obviously, a lot of press uh, going around the fact that Seamus Banty McEnany, the former Monaghan and, and Meath manager, is involved in the backroom team. But uh, as you were telling me a little earlier, Monaghan, of course, a very strong uh, tradition of ladies football up there. They do. Um, Dunamoyne have won. They w- they actually beat Dunamoyne in All Ireland uh, semi final a, a few years ago, I think. Um, and they've they've had their few battles as well with Introvers. Um, they've a great history up there. I mean, Gregory McGonagall, you know, has done superb work up there with them. And this year, um, they're probably a little bit more focused. You can tell. Not that they were cocky in years gone by, but they probably thought they could could tip or nip, let's say, Cork in the 2011 final. They were probably a bit green in the 2008 final. But this year they've they've put their heads down. Um, and I'm sure Gregory has, you know, made sure of that as well. You know, he's he's keeping his cards tight to his chest. Mm. But they're great players up there. I mean, you have the likes of Quiva Moen, Sharon Courtney, who is probably a similar figure to Juliet Murphy in Monaghan ladies football terms puts the head down, gets the work done, no drama, calm, great full back. You have the goalkeeper, Linda Martin. You know, Cork will probably remember her for the 2011 final when she kicked the ball straight out to Nola Cleary who popped it over her head. And, and what a goal that was. That was a great goal and a wonder for them, to be honest. That was the, Cork only won by two points that day. Um, and actually, another interesting thing to point out is that Cork actually have never conceded a goal to Monaghan in Crow Park. So that'll be interesting come Sunday when you look at that. Um, 
So, but, but, but Monaghan are sharp. They are the team. They are favourites going into this. I know, uh, I suppose people who, who don't usually follow a ladies football will just presume mm. Cork are favourites. But going on the consistency of the championship, you can't look past Monaghan. They have excellent forwards and, and they, they're strong. Like In terms, Mary, of uh, ladies football this season, of course, big debate in the men's game now about the open, free-flowing football we saw in the semi-finals in Kerry-Dublin and in the uh, Tyrone-Mayo game. And then, of course, the, the, the big debate about cynicism in Gaelic football. What's it like in the ladies' game? Um, I don't think it's there in the ladies' game, and I think that's why people, so many people enjoy it. Now, there's no denying it's physically you know, the girls are going to the gym more than you would have seen in years gone by. Physically, it is definitely, um, that's the way it is going. But in terms of cynicism, I don't think so, which is why it is such a great game to watch. And you'll have old fellas there, you know, out at a pitch and they they see ladies game and they're so impressed mm-hmm. by it, you know. Um, and that's why, that's why it is, I suppose, one of the fastest games in the sport, uh, sorry, in the country as well. Okay, now we have two other finals as well too on uh, Sunday. We better mention them very quickly. Cavan playing Tipperary in the intermediate and it's uh, Offaly and Wexford in the junior. Yeah, well first up at 12 o'clock is the junior final and there will be a little bit of history made in that given that it will be the first time the ref cam, a referee will have worn a ref cam in Co Park and it will be a Cork man, uh, Michael John O'Keefe from Drum Tariff who will be running the show at 12 o'clock there Um and it was the, the the ref cam was actually introduced this summer by Ladies Gaelic, and it just goes to show the progression of of the the sport and the association itself. Because of the, course, the Hooter system and all these things yeah, as the well too. Yeah, the yellow card. Yeah, but the WNBA, the women's version of the national basketball in in the United States, they actually only introduced the re- their own ref cam about two months before the ladies, two wow. or three months before the ladies. So that just goes to show you know, the the division that they have, which is great. So Michael John O'Keefe from Drum Tariff will be will be refing that one. Offaly will be be favourites given that this will be the third time that they'll have met and they've already been Wexford twice in the Leinster final and in the round robin series. Um neither side have won it, um which makes it very interesting. Um but I would have to tip Offaly for that one. Okay. Yeah. We'll head for the uh, the intermediate and uh uh, Cavan and Tip, as we, we mentioned there. Yeah, that throws in at two o'clock. And Tipperary have actually won. They won the Mary Quinn Cup once before in 2008. Cavan have never won. So I'm sure they're they're going out for it. But I suppose from an interesting point of view, uh, Tipperary, like Cork, have lost twice in the Munster Championship to Watford. And they've come through the round-robin system. If anybody saw the All-Ireland Intermediate semi-final between themselves and Fermanagh with... Was this the goalkeeping yes, yeah. kick out? They were down. I'm, I'm not quite sure now the figures, but they were down, I suppose, they were down maybe five or six points with less than a minute or just over a minute to go. Um, came back and literally as the hooter went, the ball had left uh, one of the Tipperary players' boots over the bar. That was it. Uh, curtains for Fermanagh. It was a spectacular game. But the game before that, Tipperary also won by a point. Um, against Longford in, in the qualifiers as well so I th- I suppose for their character alone and comebacks you have to tip them as well against Kevin OK so you've given verdicts on the junior and the intermediate so the final question <laughs> is who will be celebrating in the senior decider around 6 o'clock at Crow Park on Sunday evening uh, head, head or heart my head is saying Monaghan my heart is saying Cork um, I suppose just from a consistency point of view 
Manhin. It's their it's their time, shall we say. Um, it's the third time that the teams have met in the North Ireland final in Coe Park. They're experienced. They're hungry for it. Gregory McGonagall has them, you know, prepared as well as he can, I'm sure. But I think a lot of the Cork players, you know, the average age is only 25. They might, they're that little bit older than Monaghan, but they've been around for a long, long time. And I think after this year, a lot of them will retire and they know deep down in their hearts that that's it. This is the last chance that they can play in Co Park. And I think they will dig so deep. It's the, it's going to be the closest game that they've had. They, I, I know against our man Dublin in previous All-Ireland finals, they've only won by a point. But you would have tipped Cork not a bother for those games. This one, it can go either way, which makes it so fascinating. But I think if I was to go, I think Cork will just will tip it. And that's it from the Irish Examiner Sports Podcast. My thanks to our guests this week, to Dermot O'Flynn and to Mary White. We're back again, same time, same place next week. Hopefully you can join us for that. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.